Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. We are in our series, Misfit Jesus, where today we're going to talk about how Jesus brought religion nobody was expecting. Our bottom line, I'm just going to bring it to you at the beginning, is the most important work we should do for the gospel is make it all about Jesus. The most important work we should do for the gospel is make it all about Jesus, which leads me to talking about a country song. Um, and I realize you guys are sitting there. You either love country or you hate it. I have a theory. Nobody has wishy-washy feelings about this, but... I want to help you love this one song called Craig. So this, um, there's a picture here, and um, the guy without the hat is named Craig Cooper. The guy with the hat is named Walker Hayes. You can thank him for the song Fancy Like for those that are on the TikTok world. Um, so they wrote this book called Glad You're Here, and it's all about how Walker decided to make Jesus the leader of his life and the forgiver of his sins through his relationship with his wife and his friend Craig. See, Walker showed up at church lots of years back, because of his wife, who loved Jesus. Walker was an atheist, didn't want to be at church, but his wife convinced him. He shows up, smelling like he was drinking, not wanting to be there. And Craig and some other people were like, I'm so glad you're here. And Walker grew up going to church. And when he would, what he would feel like is people were just judging him, like looking down on him. But at Craig's church, he felt like people were looking at him. It was as if he was on level ground with everybody else. And that made him curious about Jesus. So several years later, um, he ended up making Jesus the leader of his life and the forgiver of his sins. And they wrote this book together about his testimony and about their friendship and how God used that. Highly recommend it. You can read more about it in there. But what I loved about their story was how What changed for Walker Hayes was he realized Jesus was more about a relationship than he was about a religion. And I grew up coming here at this church, and I I really got that Jesus saved me. But it was like in high school where I realized I could be known for one of two things. One, I could be known. We can uh, get rid of that picture. It's a little little awkward. (laughs) I could be known. uh, I really want you to check out that song. Okay, that was was the sign. Um, I could be known as the girl that liked to follow rules because I'm that weird girl and I do because it just makes me feel good about myself and safe and secure. But if I made my life all about the rules, I would miss the point that it wasn't by me trying to follow rules that gets me to heaven. It's all about Jesus. So this crossroads was coming and I can make my life about the rules or I can make my life all about Jesus. And I was thinking like, what do I want people to think about when they think of Elena? And I want them to think that girl just really loves Jesus. Like, with whatever, if it's school context or work or whatever, I just want them to like, I just want that to be like my DNA because I get that Jesus saved me. And I know that's the kind of church that we want to be. So we're going to check out scripture. But before we do that, let's look at the origin of the word religion. Three words that describe the Latin word for religion are obligation, bondage, and reverence. Reverence is an awesome thing. And we want to have reverence for our holy and just God. But Jesus did not come to set you free from sin to make you feel like you are always in bondage and obligated to do things. He wanted to come so you could freely have a relationship with him. And when you read the New Testament, 
So you, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all about Jesus' life on here. And then the rest of the New Testament is letters that were written of like, hey, if you follow Jesus, this is how you should live your life. And if you notice when you read that, there's a lot of warnings of heresy. Like, hey, those people are telling you you got to do Jesus plus something equals saved. And what did Jesus do? He came, it's Jesus plus nothing equals saved. And they would just keep saying that. Nope, it's not extra. It's not this and that. And so Paul, in the book of Galatians, I read the New Testament with those kind of eyes. Like, where are they warning you? It's everywhere. We're going to check out one spot in Galatians where Paul was writing the church in Galatia. Paul was somebody who planted churches. So he would go to towns and he would tell them about Jesus. He would tell them how it is now just by Jesus that you're saved. You don't have to follow all these rules. And when people would decide to make Jesus the leader of their life and the forgiver of their sins, he would help them learn their spiritual gifts. He would help them understand what it looks like to work as a team and how to be a church. And then he would let them be the church and he would leave and go do that in another town and then another town. So he just loved telling people about Jesus and starting up churches so that they could live out the great commission of making disciples and teaching people what that looks like. So Paul did this in Galatia, and then he leaves. And these, this group of people um, called the Judaizers come. And they come to this church, and they're like, Paul, yeah, he's smart and everything. You need Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. If you really want to be a Christian, you need Jesus plus circumcision to be saved. And this is causing a lot of tension because some of the people weren't circumcised. And this was like a normal thing Jews had to do. But now, because of Jesus, they didn't have to do all these rules. So Paul hears about this, and he is mad. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he starts out the letter like, Hi, guys, you need to watch out for this. And he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. The word, the original word for pervert in Greek could also be translated as corrupt, desert, or poison. And so these Judaizers were trying to take the purity of the gospel, that it is Jesus alone that saves you. And they were trying to add to it. They were trying to poison it. And we don't want to be like that. We want to be like, hey, we're all about Jesus here because he alone saves. So there's two things we want to watch out for. One we want to live like the gospel means Jesus changed us, changed you, not the rules you followed. When Jesus was here on earth, there was this group of guys that were called the Pharisees. And they were Jewish guys that had 613 laws that they would follow to a T. We have 10. We have the Ten Commandments, okay? So they had 613, and they followed them really well. But the problem was, is they were, um, they were making their life of following rules about them. Look at me. Look at how great I'm following these rules instead of about God. The reason the rules were there in the first place was to get rid of the distraction so that they could focus on God. And they were making it about themselves. And Jesus didn't have kind words to say about this. Check out Matthew 23 on your own. It's a long, like, I don't know, maybe he's, it was a lot he had to say. But one of the verses was 23 verse 25. And he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. The Pharisees were like, look how modest my clothes are. Look at how I don't say those bad words. Look at how I don't hang out with those bad people. 
Look at how I go to the temple. Look at how I pray. Look at how I give to the church. And they were making it all about themselves. They were making Christianity about a bunch of rules, which is, um, which is, I've lost my point here, an outward effort to, um, an outward effort to close the gap between a sinful man and a holy God. You guys, when I go, went over this, I, I didn't have this mic. We're going we're gonna to have to be creative here. <laughs> um, there's a couple things I wanted both hands. Anyway, here we go. So, like, sinful man, holy God. And it was reducing Christianity to a bunch of rules. But the gospel means it's just Jesus that saves us. Where do we need this reminder in our own life? Where do we need the reminder of it's not you trying to follow these rules to get there? I know for me, I can feel like, okay, I read my Bible a lot this week. And that's, like, a good thing, but that's not what makes me right with God. Maybe it's, like, you in your marriage or as a student or as an adult with your friends, like you come up with these rules that you think you have to achieve in order to make you right with God. When really, yes, probably those rules aren't bad. They're just not what makes you saved because the gospel means Jesus changed you. And that's the most important work we got to do. We just got to keep it about Jesus. So point number two, the gospel means Jesus changed you. So we can't take the credit for it. What happens when we start taking credit for what Jesus did? Spiritual pride starts growing. And when spiritual pride starts growing in our hearts, it blocks our view from God. Just like every other sin. Just like murder, just like stealing, just like lying. We can't see God. Jesus hated pride. He told this story in Luke 18. It says at the beginning, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Sound familiar? Sound like what Walker Hayes Church was all about? Jesus told this parable. He said, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. Okay, so we got the Pharisee that follows 613 rules and the tax collector who everybody hated. (laughs) There was a lot of division in those days, but everybody could agree nobody liked no tax collector. They would come and collect taxes, but let's say you owed $1,000. They would say, no, actually you owe $1,300. And you'd be like, no, I only owe 1000 And they'd be like, no, if you owe 1300 And they wouldn't leave until you paid 1300 And then they would give 1000 to the government, and they would save 300 for themselves. And everybody knew they did this. So everybody hated the tax collector. So you got two, two guys coming down to pray at the temple, and they're on very extreme opposites when it comes to how they live their life. And how does the Pharisee pray? <clears throat> the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I, I'm, not, I'm not like the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I've got. So this Pharisee is basically like, God, you are just so lucky to have me on your team. Which, let's be real, that's like a two-year-old telling their mom, aren't you so glad I helped you clean? When it's like nice that they're helping, but that mom could do it twice as fast without them, right? This is God's standard. This is how much we, like, measure up at our best. This is me. This is the guy in jail for murder. This is everybody. We do not measure up to God's standard. And the Pharisee was getting this all wrong. He was thinking, it's about what I do, so God is, like, God's blessed to have me. So we need to take a step back. We got to, like, keep our eye out for poison religion, for toxic religion. And instead, we want to be all about the good news. Good news means Jesus, or the gospel means Jesus Hold on. The gospel means good news. There we go. Gospel means good news, and the good news 
is you are saved by Jesus Christ alone. So we want to keep it about that and not add to it. So how do we do that, Elena? Glad you asked. I would go to God's word. One thing that I always, when I'm like, I don't know what to do, I think of 2 Corinthians 10.5. It's like my go-to when I'm thinking and I'm like feeling like I'm getting all, all these rabbit trails. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So when I'm like thinking about making things life, life um, crazy and not simple, not all about Jesus, I try to think of that verse. And one way that you can make it about obedient to Christ is you go back to scripture. What scripture say? Romans 3, 20 through 22 says, therefore no one will be declared righteous in his and God's sight. How many people? No one. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Which brings us to two simple points. The first is, the purpose of the law is to show your need for a savior. Right? Romans says, no one's declared righteous by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So if you're new here, this is how we read the Bible. We check out the Bible, and we see where God wants to change us. We look at how God asks us to live our lives. And then we, we, we like say, like, Lord, how do you want me to apply this? Where am I wrong? Where do you want to grow me? In junior high, who's in junior high here? Raise your hand. No junior highers. We got to work on that. All right. They're all serving in Fierce Kids. <laughs> when I was in junior high, I started reading God's word on my own. So good night, parents. I'd go in my room, me and, ta- me and Jesus' time. Read the Bible, read a chapter, write a takeaway, journal. And as I would read, I would recognize I do not measure up to what God's calling me to do. Like, <laughs> I'm, again, like God's standard, me, Elena. And it wouldn't make me feel bad about myself. It would make me feel so loved because I'm serving a God that I don't deserve. And yet he sees me all alone in that little room by myself. And he loves me and he has a plan for me. And so at Fierce Church, that's how we read the Bible. We look at it like, Lord, where do you want to change us? So maybe this is new to you. And maybe you're like, no, I'm actually pretty good. Let's check out the Ten Commandments. Why do you need a Savior? Ten Commandments. How many of you have lied? You don't have to. We just, yeah. There's one, one honest person here. We probably all lied. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we got how many of you lied? How many of you have lusted? Jesus said when you commit or when you lust, you're committing adultery in your heart. So check. Okay. We'll just focus on me. Check. Check to lying. Check to lusted. Have I ever coveted anything? Have I ever wanted anything my neighbor has? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have I ever put anything before God? Yeah. Yep, I need a savior. When we check out God's word, we look to it to disciple us. We look to it to change us because we know Jesus saved us. There's a saying out there that says, love the sinner and hate the sin. And, you know, I can see some truth to that. But I like the twist that Rosetta Butterfield says, where she says, love the sinner and hate your own sin. Love the sinner and hate your own sin. When you start living like that, when you start going to God's word, when you start realizing, man, God loves me, you start showing up on Sunday and it doesn't matter who's walking through the door. They could be dressed to the T. They could smell like beer. They could, whatever. We're glad they're there because we're all in the same boat because we all need Jesus 
We want to be the kind of people that don't look to the Bible as an opportunity to first judge other people, right? So we need to be careful that the law doesn't become an opportunity to judge others. Instead, we want to sit under it, under it to change us. Where are we tempted to weigh in on somebody else instead of using God's word to weigh in on us? If you're not thinking it, I'm pretty sure we're all... Um, we all need to work on this. When it comes to the news, you guys, I check the news, and it's like everybody should hate anybody that doesn't agree with them, right? And so I actually avoid the news. I try to listen to this podcast called The World and Everything in It because it leaves me just wanting to pray and not angry. But there's this formula crisis. I don't know if you've heard, but if you go to Target or Sam's Club, there's like nothing on the aisle. And I'm a mom of a six-month-old who eats formula every day. So I'm like, I should probably know what's going on. So I Google formula crisis. And some of the first things that pop up are how pro-life people want babies to starve and starve at the border. And I'm like, I'm pro-life, pro-love, pro-people, and I don't want any babies to starve. And so I'm like, I got to find a meme and make sure everybody knows this. And then it's not wrong to find a meme. But for me, I had to realize, wait a minute, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. And what's it say? God's word says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And so I pray because you know who cares more about this formula crisis than me? My God, my Father. And so I'm praying. I'm praying that the connections can be made so clean and healthy formula gets in the hand of every mom at the border that needs formula for their baby and every mom that lives out in the country and in the city and in the suburb because he can do that way quicker than me screaming out my opinion. And again, not wrong. It's just I got to slow down and keep my eyes up, get my knees on the floor and pray before I think I got to get my phone out, right? We use God's word to be a mirror to what we need to change before we start pointing fingers at anyone else. And when we do that, the news isn't going to take notice because the news loves everybody fighting and pointing fingers. But when you start slowing down and praying, your neighbor is going to notice. And people are going to see Jesus in you. And when you, they do, you can tell them, we're just all about Jesus. It's Jesus that saved us. Which leads us to the second simple point from that Romans passage. Righteousness with God comes by faith alone, by faith in Christ alone. It's Jesus plus nothing equals saved. It's not Jesus plus a political party. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus rules. It is just Jesus alone that's saved. Romans says the righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. And this is good news because <laughs> there's moments where I don't feel good enough to be somebody that gets to know heaven is my destiny. And maybe you're there too. Maybe you don't feel like you're a good enough wife or, or um, mom or dad or husband or sibling or son or daughter or coworker or friend. We can stop and think, thank goodness that is not why I am right with God. Because I'm right with God because of Jesus alone. I feel like this is kind of a cliche example, but... It hits home to me. Pretend you messed up so bad that you uh, the that the death penalty was your punishment. So you're in jail, and you know the day's coming, and there's this rule that somebody could take your spot, but they would have had to live a perfect life so they could pay, not pay the price for them, but pay it for you. So you're not counting on anybody taking your spot, and you're in jail, and the day comes. You're like, this is the last day of my rest of my life. 
and they open the door, and you take a step, but they tell you, somebody offered to take your spot, and you step back. And then they say, and they qualify. And you're like, who would do this? Who would do this for me? And they say, his name is Jesus. So you walk out of that jail cell where you are in bondage, and you walk out free. And you know from every day after that day is a day you don't deserve. It's a day that you get to live in freedom because Jesus saved you. There's some people that read this and they're like, I can do whatever I want. Jesus is just going to forgive me so I can sin. And that's like foreign language as you and I are going to God's word because God doesn't have lukewarm feelings about sin. He died for sin so that he could have a relationship with you. And so we don't, we don't just like go into crazy. We are like, Lord, take my life because I don't deserve this. And now I'm no longer bound by sin. It doesn't mean we live a perfect life, y'all. It just means we keep our life all about Jesus. We, leave, we live our life all about Jesus. Because why? what is the most important work for the gospel? Keeping it all about Jesus. Which reminds me, we never talked about what the Pharisee prayed. So I'm like picturing the Pharisee coming down here and the tax collector and you got, or not the, the tax collector. We didn't talk about the tax collector prayer. So we got the Pharisee praying, thank you God. And then we got the tax collector that gets down to the temple to pray. And this is what Jesus said, this tax collector said. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He didn't even get up close. He was hanging at the back. He wouldn't even look up at heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. What? Everybody's listening to this. You're saying the guy that lives, that follows 613 laws is not justified, but the tax collector is? What's the difference? The difference is the tax collector humbled himself. The tax collector made it more about God than about a religion, and he realized he needed a savior. Y'all, we're all tax collectors, and we all need a savior. The most important work we should do for the gospel is keep it all about Jesus. Micah Wilder wrote a book called Passport to Heaven, and in it he tells how Jesus changed his life. He grew up Mormon, and here at Fierce, we love Mormons, we love people. He grew up Mormon thinking Mormon was a step up from Christianity. And so when he went on his two-year mission, in this book he um, talks about it, highly recommend it. Um, he went on his two-year mission, and he was going to convert a Christian pastor. And so he has a meeting with Pastor Benson. And as they're talking, Pastor Benson tells Micah that Jesus wasn't a religion. He says Jesus was not an organization. He said that Jesus was the way, that Jesus himself is salvation. And if Micah believed in Jesus as such, he would be saved by Jesus' grace. And Micah's never heard this before. And so he's leaving, and um, Pastor Benz is at the door, and he looks at Micah, and he says, Micah, read the New Testament like a child, and God will bring you into his marvelous light. And Micah leaves feeling offended and frustrated and confused because he's thinking, if that's the way we're saved, then everyone would be saved because who could be so foolish as to reject a free gift of eternal life? 
And so Micah went home and he proved Benson, he tried to prove Pastor Benson wrong. And he read that New Testament, something his Mormon leadership had never encouraged him to do. And as he went through each page, what he saw was it was only Jesus that was needed to get to heaven, not even his church. Benson was right. This went against everything Micah believed in. But he was realizing that if this was true, it was going to change everything because how could it ever be the same? Micah, as Micah was reading, he realized the only thing he needed was Jesus and there was no need to add to it. You might have a similar story to Micah or Walker Hayes or myself or unique to you. But if you have made Jesus the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sin, we all have the same path ahead. We're here to make our life all about Jesus and not add to it. And if you haven't made Jesus the leader of your life and the forgiver of your sins, what are you waiting for? Freedom is yours. We no longer have to be bound by anything. This church is all about a relationship with God and he changed my life and we wanna invite you to help him change yours, to help you. Jesus change yours. Will you pray with me? Lord, we want to make this life all about you. I thank you for how people are open about their testimony, that it is just you. And I pray that you would help us to grow in that. I pray that you would help us to grow in that so we get how much you love us and then we would just want to love everyone. We want to be the kind of people that are glad people are showing up at church, but not just at church, Lord, but everybody in our lives, our family, our friends, the people that drive us crazy. Help us be humble like the tax collector. Help us never think we deserve you. Lord, may that, as we humble ourselves before you, may that change our lives because we get that you see us. We know, Lord, that's like the most loved we will ever feel when we know you, you fully know us and yet you love us. Help us be all about making the gospel about you. In your name I pray. Everybody say. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.